This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. Look, before we start this episode of the James McMahon Music Podcast, I need to tell you something. I need your help. I need you, when you finish with the episode, to go to the platform you've listened to this podcast on and give me a rating, a review, and to subscribe too. It helps me cheat the algorithm and get more ears on the podcast. And know this, I'm very grateful for it. Also, I have a substack where I write about music and film and telly and all sorts of stuff. I love it if you sign up for dispatches. There are different price options, five quid a month, 50 quid a year, and for that, you get access to loads of exclusive writing and podcasts. It's the most helpful thing you can do to support the stuff I make. And again, I'd be so grateful. That's spook.substack.com. That's spook with three O's. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank Jesus. This concludes this test of the emergency broadcast system. Ah, shit! You're listening to the James McMahon Music Podcast. And I'm your host, James McMahon! And this... It's a spook media production. It's about time there was a short one. And yeah, it's a good one, I think. Even if the audio is a bit scratchy in places. And it's one with one of my favourite living songwriters, Greg Barnett, from Scranton, Pennsylvania, indie rock titans, the Menzingers. The purpose of our conversation is to talk about Greg's debut solo record, Don't Go Throwing Roses in My Grave, which came into the world last month on Epitaph. It's an excellent set of songs, grown and cultivated within the global weirdness of 2020. A lot of death in there, a lot of fear and introspection. But we get to the Menzingers too, don't worry about that, don't worry at all. Hey, while I'm here, if you're interested, I thought I'd tell you about one of my other podcasts. It's called Shame, and it's a podcast about shame. Episode 1 wraps up earlier this year, and during that run I spoke to John Ronson, Amanda Knox, Gail Porter, Kat Rosenfield, and loads more. As episode to episode, we explored the emotion shame. You can find it on any podcast provider. And, well, I should say that season two's on route. Okay, I don't know when I'm going to drop it yet, but I've started to do interviews for it. And I've been speaking to some really interesting people. Just thought I'd mention it, you know? I was just um, I was just listening to your record. Oh, nice! How long How long since you finished recording? How long have you been sat on it? Well, I recorded it um, about a year ago. It was March 2021 uh, when I went into the studio, and uh, it's kind of been like a long, drawn out process. But it seems like everything these days is takes a while to you know get moving. So started writing the album in 2020, and uh, really dove into the writing in the fall of 2020. That was kind of like the you know where the majority of it got written, and then um, yeah, got in the studio last year around this time. From what I've read, you know the uh... 
the uh, promotional gumph that comes with new releases. It sounds like it was a, a product of the world going insane. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I'm very busy in the Menzingers. I've never had time to be able to write my own music in this way before. And, you know, it's when touring stopped and we couldn't see each other. This is what I did pretty much. You know, I needed to I needed to make something. I, I just the kind of person I am. I, I don't know. I'm, I need to be writing songs all the time. So we were playing shows. So I wasn't thinking about songs in a live context. I was just writing music for the fun of it. And just because it brought me happiness and joy. So, you know, that's kind of how, what happens, really. You don't strike me as someone that um, yearned to make a solo record. Yeah, I, I'd say that that's kind of true. It's not something where it's like I've had these like, dark underlying thoughts my entire life of how i'm going to like branch away from the band i mean the band is like they're my best friends and they're it's you know where i i it's my career it's how what how i make a living it's what makes me happy but i just i I think that it's more so that i'm the kind of person that i always wanted to be involved in a lot of musical projects and you know the menzingers has occupied so much of my time for so long that i was just really looking forward to trying something new and just challenging myself creatively so it's not so much that i want to be like a solo artist and defined that way i just want to make music in all types of all different types of capacity i guess the question the obvious question is been been a while since the last menzingers record obviously the there was the, the 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 two records um but you know it's been a few years now what was it about these songs that made you think, oh, I'm going to put this out under my own name rather than do it as a Menzingers record? I think the main thing was is that we had a lot of talks about the, where the direction of the band is going to go and what we wanted to happen. And we really wanted to make sure that it was even, it was just a very, very collaborative effort. You know, the Menzingers has always been for people that bring their ideas and uh, that's kind of what shapes those songs. And all of a sudden I was alone and I was writing a lot of songs and I just really didn't want that to be the next album. I didn't want to be the kind of person that's, I, 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 I don't know, I guess I don't, I would say that I just never would want it for somebody to hear a Menzinger's album be like, it was too heavily focused on my identity. You know, it's four people that make up that band. And it was kind of challenging when I'm writing all these songs by myself, you know, I have fully structured, fully laid out songs. And yeah, I could have brought them to the band, but it doesn't feel like the way that the way that we write, you know, we, we need to get into the room and break things apart and do and do it. And we just kind of weren't able to do it during that time. So I, I kind of just felt like it would be a good creative challenge for me to write this album exactly the way that I saw it in my mind and then be able to go and write this next Menzinger's record with kind of like like a fresh start. Um, and I think it's just I don't know. We have very, very. Uh, high hopes and expectations of the type of music that Menzingers that we're writing right now for our next album. And I, I just didn't want to um, come in heavy handed, I guess, with stuff that in my mind is more geared towards a solo release. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously, uh, you're obviously dealing in, you're obviously dealing in, in some personal stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, I mean, it feels like a record, which is tinged with grief. Is, is that fair to say? Sure. Yeah, that's absolutely fair to say. And I think that's a part of the reason of releasing it under my own name opposed to the band. It's incredibly personal record. And I felt like I had the avenue to really, you know, the Menzinger is always personal lyrics to write about, but in a way it's like more, like the the kind of things that we write about can kind of apply to a lot more people. Like I'm speaking very directly about my life in a lot of these songs. And it just felt like more of a personal project to me. Um, You know, it's, 
I, I'm sure I could have brought it to the band and they would be excited to to work it into into that. But this was just it was just different. I kind of wanted it to be exactly the way that I heard it in my head because the the stories and what I'm writing about was just very personal. Was it your if you don't mind me asking, was it your grandfather that passed away? I lost my grandfather in 2020. I think, you know, I dealt with it. There's a lot of that type of grief on the album, but a lot of the, the storytelling grief comes from when I lost my other grandfather on my mom's side about 10 years ago. And, you know, when he passed away, he was the, you know, the central figure of that side of the family. And it left like a big vacuum in that, in our family's life. And, uh, you know, it took a long time to kind of figure out how to move on past that. So a lot of these songs are still kind of wrapped up in that transitional phase from, you know, who he and my grandmother were as a person and the, the role they played in, in our lives. What did you learn by working it out in the song? Well, I realized, one, I realized how, there's a couple things. I, I, I realized how much, you know, it's hard sometimes to just think about how much people mean to you when you, you know, when, when you get into a song, it's like, it's an entirely different thing. You know, all of a sudden I started being very descriptive, a song like Guest in Your House, being very descriptive about my childhood and every moment. And you realize all these little things, how monumental they are to, to who the person you are now is. Um, and I, I learned, you know, I learned a lot about myself. I learned about, I learned about songwriting too. It's interesting. I, uh, I've always kind of been afraid to write things that hyper-personal being like, yeah, it's not really going to be relatable. It's too, it's too much, you know, but I can't even tell you how many people have related to lyrics like that. And I kind of, it kind of was eye-opening to me to allow myself to be more, more vulnerable and show that side of me because I guess, I don't know, people are really related to it. I, I learned a lot about, you know, who I am as a person and the type of songwriter I am and the, the how much my family means to me in ways that, uh, you know, maybe I didn't really realize before. You know, this is very, uh, this is a sort of crude way of describing it, but it feels to me a little bit like, um, like, like the Menzingers, you know, like w when you first came on my radar, it f very much felt like you were talking about uh, adolescence and mistakes. And um, but it, but it, at the same time, there was almost sort of a uh, almost sort of like a buffer between you and the listener in in, in the fact that they were, you know, storytelling. Um, mm -hmm. It feels a little bit like um, I don't know. Maybe you're sort of writing about being an older person or. That other songs are maybe sort of positioned outside of adolescence. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'd say that's fair to say. I think, um, you know, I I think there's this charm in a lot of the Menzingers writing about uh, looking back on being reckless and young um, and how that shapes the kind of person you are now. Um, and, you know, I feel like I've written about that a lot and I wasn't necessarily wanting to write about that. I found myself while I was writing a lot of this album, I moved back home for a little bit during the pandemic uh, to, to the house that I grew up in. And, you know, that was kind of an interesting thing. I haven't lived there since I was 18. I'm going to be 34 in a couple of weeks. Uh, so it's been a long time since I've spent a significant amount of time there. And, you know, waking up in my childhood bedroom, I, it, it obviously influenced the songwriting. There's no way, there's no other way around it. You know, I, I was just in this house where I sitting on the edge of my bed, my childhood bed, where I learned how to play my first chords. And now here I am writing, you know, what be, would become my first solo album. A lot of that, I, 
I, I just it made me really think about who I was then and where I am now, and not necessarily in the carefree way of how I've written with Menzingers, but more of in a, um, I don't know, in I guess in, just in a more personal way. Did you? I don't know. I mean, are you someone who thinks about death a lot, or or are you, are you someone who ha- has had that on your mind in your life, or is this be- just really? Um, sparked because of the passing of your grandfather during 2020 it absolutely became a bit of an obsession and i think a lot of it was just everything that was going on in the world at the time i mean i woke up every morning and checked my phone and would look at the new york times and see how many people you know were getting sick and they were dying i was looking i was constantly in, in touch with my family and making sure that you know they weren't catching covid it was just always on my mind of this fear of death of that you know, all of a sudden, we kind of watched everything slowly be taken away from you. Um, you know, I, I just, I've lived my life on tour and in a van and a bus and just traveling for so long. And then now I'm stationary. And there was, it definitely seemed like the era of my life, like, yeah, I'll go back on tour again. But so much has changed. Like, it just really was this weird, this mental reset. I bet, you know, I'm sure everybody could feel that way. But it just felt like the way that I used to live, it kind of just can't really go on. And, you know, I'm sure that's, there's a lot of good in that. You know, I definitely lived pretty recklessly uh, on tour and partying and things like that. And it just felt like a changing point in my life. And I don't know. Yeah, I think that I, the idea of death, of analyzing losing grandparents to um, just a complete 180 change in my life kind of really helped some round, like made sense this whole record. And then just, you know, just seeing people suffer around you know around looking around reading the news stuff like that it's a, a common theme of when i speak to artists um <laughs> and when they talk well they say a lot of what you've just said but i feel like in lots of ways when you know if you're like from the punk scene so you you, you would have you know been kind of living in bands from you know kind of late teens maybe <laughs> like it's uh all of a sudden to have this extended time at home it's like sort of having a mirror held up to you yeah yeah and you know it's like a lot of my artist friends you know you know they're in a weird way they were like really happy about it they were like excited to you know be able to get into hobbies that they haven't been able to venture into and uh i don't know i don't know if i didn't allow myself that because i just wanted to i felt like i had to keep going and i had to write music or i just didn't have that experience it was you know it's really hard for me i um i don't know what that says about the kind of person i am but I wish that it was easier for me to have been able to slow down a bit. I think the people who found it hardest, I mean, apart from apart from the, apart from anyone who encountered tragedy during that time, you know, mm-hmm. that lost anyone or got very sick, I think the people who found it hardest were were the people who think a lot. I've OCD, so I I ruminate mm-hmm. and I, I think a lot. And, and so therefore lockdown yeah. was horrendous you know because there just was nowhere mm-hmm. else to put my thoughts you know and you know you're obviously sure. um, obviously as a songwriter you know you are very considered with words so i i'm not surprised that you found it difficult yeah yeah absolutely i mean it's it just felt like in a weird way everything stopped but then it just felt like everybody's life kind of went on around me where mine wasn't really able to and that felt hard you know um I'm, I think I'm just talking about maybe some people in my life that uh, were able to, you know, they, they were able to keep their jobs. They were able to go to work every day and be able to 
you know, not sit and read the news every day, every morning and be in your house all day long. They, you know, still had a job to go do. That was, that was hard losing purpose. Um, so I think writing that, that really fulfilled that for me. I needed, I needed something. I couldn't just pick up a hobby. It's not really me. I needed that focus and that purpose of why I'm waking up every day. You mentioned the, the Menzigas. Where are you at with the next record? We, you know, we're still, I don't want to say we're at the beginning phase. We're like, you know, we're, we're pretty well into it. We're, we're kind of finding our groove. Um, it's, we're allowing ourselves a lot of time. Um, I know like a lot of fans are asking like, come on, when's it coming? When's it coming? But, you know, we've just lived in this like two album, two year album cycle for pretty much our entire career. And we really want to make the album that, you know, we've always wanted to make and uh, we're allowing ourselves some time, but you know, we've just been super busy writing and um, you know, it's, that's pretty much the plan. We're going to be touring. And when we're not touring, we're writing. And if we are touring, we're getting hotel rooms and the four of us are sitting in the hotel room writing. So it's, it's going to be a hectic year, but um, you know, it's been really fun uh, getting to do that again with everybody. And it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like something that you have to do. You have to write an next record. It feels like we need to write a record for us um, as people, which is, you know, it's very inspiring. The Menzingers have got a tour announced, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that. Uh, do you have plans to play these songs out? Oh, uh, the solo songs? Yeah. Not not with the Menzingers, no. I mean, we have a pretty hefty catalogue to pull from, So, um, but I am coming over to the UK in June where I'll be playing this. Like, Basically, I I would love to just be able to, to have, you know, both lives coexist. I, I would love to be a solo artist and be able to play when the Menzingers aren't touring and vice versa. So, you know, they, they feel like two separate projects to me. Um, I, I, you know, kind of, I don't know. I, I, I would like to be able to have both coexist and be able to go on tour with one and then go on tour with another when I can and just flip-flop them around. And it just gives me a lot of joy as an artist to be able to uh, have different sides of my creative self, I guess. What do the guys in the band think of these songs? I think they really like them, unless they're lying to me. <laughs> right, right. You know, it's like everybody's been very kind. I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's been pretty amazing. You know, they've all been so supportive. Um, you know, it's just really special. We have an awesome bond together, and uh, yeah. I always used to, you know, in bands I've been in, sometimes when people would go off and do the do their own things. Um, I did find myself sometimes quite jealous, though. Like sometimes I'd be, I mean, no, yeah, I mean, I, I'm admitting this like 20 years later, but sometimes, I, <laughs> sometimes I would be like, oh, I really wish we were playing that song. Sure. I mean, I think that's kind of understandable, right? Like, I, I, maybe I would feel that way too if if one of them did this and they're like, hey, we should have that song. But at the end of the day, it's like there's always. I think Joe said it once. He's like, man, there's always going to be more songs. There's always more songs to write. And forget what he was talking about when he brought that up. But I always think about that. Like, there is always more songs to write. Even if this one isn't the hit song, just keep writing them. You know, there's always more. That seems like a really good place to uh, to uh, leave this, Greg. Thanks so much for yeah. speaking. Thanks so much for speaking to me. Um, and yeah, I would be remiss uh, to not take this opportunity to say thanks for all the songs you've written that uh, mean so much to me. Thank you so much for this. This has been amazing. Well, that was episode 45. Thanks to Greg for the chat. Thanks to Sarah Maynard for hooking us up. The theme tune is by the band Jobbers. And I'll see you soon. soon.
so it became like a scene and they just they didn't want me on the plane so i said cool checked in the airport hotel and flew back next day with serious heat 